Hey there, I'm Jo and this is Looking Outside, the podcast that explores new perspectives beyond the familiar. I am a CPG innovator and with this show, I'm seeking a fresh take on business topics with some of the most influential and original thinkers. If you find yourself curiously peeking over the fence at what is happening outside your market, industry, or field of knowledge, then this show will help you to explore more of that. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our very first episode. Today, we're looking outside marketing, and I am so, so honored to help me launch the show. I have the absolutely brilliant Rose Gia. Hey, Rose. Hey, Joe. So, Rose, tell us a little bit about yourself. First, thank you so much for inviting me to your podcast. So excited to be here. A little bit about myself. I have to say that I have a very unconventional path to what I do now, which is marketing. And that has led me to innovate in uh, basically every vertical I've been in. And I've been in a number of verticals from finance to entertainment and now to retail. When I first started, I was actually an investment banker, and that's where I first learned all about driving growth through transactions, you know, like mergers, acquisitions, debt and equity uh, deals. Um, And then I moved into corporate finance, actually at Amex, and that's where I quickly realized that growth isn't just about the numbers, but it's really about how you differentiate yourself in market. And because of that, I was exposed to the amazing marketing of Amex where, you know, they took their brand from just being about another credit card or another payments processing company to really being about what makes people's lives better. And so, of course, I was like, this is awesome and I need to get myself into into this thing called marketing. Now I'm very honored to be able to still keep my finance background and to really bring marketing and finance even closer together. Right now, I lead growth marketing for one of Amazon's fastest growing businesses in grocery, which includes uh, brands like Amazon Fresh. This means that my team and I are responsible for driving the top line growth at scale across the whole customer decision journey on and offline. Amazing. What well, you're in a such an exciting role. And I think it's equally exciting that you've come from banking. That's a very different field. Did you ever think when you were sort of in the banking area that you would be a marketer or what were your thoughts about it? What a marketer was back then? Oh, great question. And I wasn't a banker. I knew nothing about marketing. And my thoughts was, um, oh, I could probably do marketing myself because, you know, it's just like running a bunch of ad campaigns. Like, who can't do that? I definitely didn't understand what what it took to be a marketer and what it takes to really think about great marketing. Uh, It wasn't until I got to the other side um, that I realized in order to do marketing, you have to really be you know, we say this all the time, but the voice of the customer really understand what it is that your customers needs are and what their wants are and how do all of the products and services that the company has built really address those needs and wants. And, you know, when I was in banking, oftentimes what I've noticed is many, many companies are driven um, primarily by their financial uh, teams, right? They're really looking at the, the profit and loss sheet. They're looking at their cash flow. So it becomes even more incumbent on the marketer to really tell that story through the lens of these other uh, functions to really showcase the power of marketing. Yeah, I think that's that's so important because we often talk about storytelling for brands and for storytellers like marketers, but perhaps not enough about the storytelling of your financial 
um, acumen or the financial case of your innovation. So that's, that's absolutely really, really interesting take on it. And so when we talk about marketing, we often say that it's the heart of an organization. I'm sure that, you know, you really have felt that throughout your career. And for companies that are built on brands where the brand is sort of like the connection point to the consumer, you mentioned this before, potentially not just from a sales perspective, but also the experience, connection, a service, a memory, marketing and branding of the brand asset is such an important job. And marketing's been around for a really long time. It's well studied. It's undergone a few evolutions with, you know, things like digital communications, targeting, and it's had, you know, numerous books written about it, like The Long and Short of It and Laws of Growth. And it's got some well-known heroes. So when we talk about the heroes in marketing, we often think about the founders like Walt Disney, Steve Jobs, Henry Ford, Ray Kroc, that these people created an idea and they were able to market it, but they also created a complete business model, which I think goes back to what you were saying and you know some of the work that you're doing in Renaissance marketing. How much of that complete business mindset do you think has made them successful and is important for a marketer? 100%. I think no marketer can truly do great marketing without understanding how the business is run. Some of the you know, best marketers I know out there really talks about marketing, uh, not only the creative side, but also what I call the, the science side, right? So, you know, every marketer we already know is quite creative, is really thinking outside the box when it comes to making a, an emotional plea to the customers through every piece of asset. But there's also a science to it, which that part, you know, I think of it as the data, right? Like, what do customers really think about and what how do they actually feel about your brand how do they feel about your products and services there is the research part right like do you do you have something in place to really help you understand how your customers are shifting their perceptions of your brand over time right then there is also the financial side which is great that they have this feeling towards your brand um, or they understand your value prop but are they buying it right like you know, money talks. If they decide I don't want to use your service or I don't want to use your product and I want to use someone else's, that is clear indication that what you're trying to tell them is the value is not valuable to them. So I think there's a lot of the science side of things that oftentimes marketers either don't put as much focus on or is not using the right ways of communicating how they're kind of contributing to that top line, that numbers part of the business. Mm, yeah, that's, that's really interesting because you talk about the creative side, the researcher side, the financial side. And so is it important for a marketer to be almost taking like a little bit of every one of those disciplines and looking across all of them? Or do they have to lean into them depending on the task at hand? So something that I've been uh, talking about quite often is this idea of what I'm calling the Renaissance marketer mindset. If we think back to that olden day, um, but that bright period of time, all of those Renaissance thinkers were multidisciplined. None of them would just be an artist or just be an architect or just uh, a scientist. They literally were all parts. And my favorite Renaissance person is Da Vinci. He very much was, you know, trying to do everything because he had that and what you called like natural curiosity for all things. He just mm -hmm. wanted to learn more, like why is anatomy a certain way? And he then used that in his in his paintings for drawing horses, for drawing people and hands. 
He looked at architecture. He looked at kind of the science of inventions, and he says, "Why can't I make those things?" And he leveraged that in a lot of the things that he created. So the Renaissance marketer mindset is essentially what I split into three pieces. The first is clearly multidisciplined. So with this mindset, it's really about pulling ideas from other disciplines. So it could be pulling ideas from history, from psychology, from finance, and bringing that into marketing. But it also means understanding how various functions in a business works together. Right? How does brand, customer experience, product, data, research, all of that come together to really help drive growth and innovation? The second thing I would say is thinking for the long term, which also means that you need to think like you're investing. So oftentimes, I've heard marketers talk about what they do as kind of a cost or an expense, right? They're saying, "Well, I have a budget,"、um, but what they should really think about is you're actually investing time, effort, and money in certain places that you're talking to customers, certain platforms, certain. Uh, targeting capabilities, technologies, databases—you're really investing, and so to think about it as an investment will allow you to think not only long-term, but it will also allow you to balance the short-term wins with those long-term gains. Right? For example,、um, if you just talk about a cost. People will say, "Well, why do you have to spend X million of dollars on creative production?" Well, the answer to that is, it's not a cost. It is actually an investment into your brand for the future. Because telling the right story means you have to have a visual representation that is compelling. And so, I think it's really important to think long term. The third thing is this balance of art and science. It's never good to just lean on either the art or the science. I think in the last couple of years, with a lot of these、uh, digital app platforms, people have moved more and more towards "quote unquote" performance marketing, and some of that art has been lost.、Uh, but in the olden days of Mad Men, you know, it was all art, no science,、um, and that also doesn't work in the modern day that we live in. And so, having that balance is part of this mindset. And so, one of the things that I talk about、um, quite often is. It, with any mindset, including this, it, it's not just you do it once and you're done. It's something that you have to keep practicing. How do you think it long term? How do you do multidiscipline? How do you do the balance of art and science? How should a marketer talk to finance in a way that shows the power of marketing? It means using the language of your finance partners. Right? They're going to be talking about how does this contribute to their top line. How do you prove that awareness drives brand loyalty and therefore retention? But if you can say these things. They're going to be a lot more bought in than if you just say, "This amazing、uh, TV commercial is just going to get people to feel awesome," and you know, finance is going to come back like, "And so." <laughs> so, I'm trying to create these tools, but essentially, I believe that as a marketer, to have this mindset, you kind of have to have it all the time, and it can't just be on this particular project in this particular vertical. I'm going to employ the mindset. It really has to be a Every day, I'm going to leverage all of the things that I'm learning at my disposal to really drive innovation and growth in my business.、Mm, I love that, and I love that whole idea and everything that it's built on, and how you talk about finding the balance between art and science, the almost.、Um, 
problem solution focus like that's that's kind of where my mind went when you were talking about da vinci and the way that he was curious about what was happening in the world i think he was sort of trying to unpick you know what why do things work the way that they work and how can you find a better solution to an existing problem and so that feels very relatable when we talk about you know really understanding consumer needs or unmet needs and tension points and just being curious to look a little bit deeper or closer at all of the detail in our world as opposed to I guess going through the motions is that is that a part of what you're tapping into there when you're talking about curiosity of what's outside is a curiosity and how things work in the world absolutely a lot of times we talk about innovation right and marketing oftentimes um is equated with trying to be innovative. People get lost in this idea of innovation should be completely net new. So it's like, we're we're trying to build the car, but the car's already been built. And so <laughs> right now, the way I think about innovation is exactly what you said. You're, you're taking that curiosity of everything else that's happening in the world and you're saying, how can this be applied to my current vertical, my current industry, my current category, and even my current discipline of marketing? But in a different way. One of my favorite campaigns when it first came out was the Spotify uh, year-end rap, right? Like mm. they took data science, which is like, you know, a behind the scenes type of function and put it in, in front of everyone, right? So one, I think one of the, my favorite billboards that I saw um, when they first launched this a couple of years ago was like, you know, hey, to that one person who listened to I'm Sorry by <laughs> Justin Bieber like a thousand times on Valentine's Day. I mean, it was just brilliant because not only did it showcase how much people were leveraging Spotify, mm -hmm. it was also showing the power of telling that story through data, right? And I don't think that type of innovation could have, be, could have been had if not for whoever came up with this to say, maybe let's leverage some of our data. And to this day, if you think about it, not a lot of companies are doing that. They're they're not telling this data-centric uh, story that Spotify is, but I mm -hmm. think it's quite powerful. A lot of the things that we build today are based on things that we find in nature, right? Airplanes, based on birds. You know, how we're thinking about computers and processing based on the human brain. And so there's so much of other disciplines that you know, other industries and functions already use to innovate. Like, why wouldn't we do it that in marketing? Why can't we bring in some historical storytelling into marketing? There's so much that we could be learning. Mm. Yeah, I love that. And I, I do love the Spotify example as well. Apparently, I had a lot of Arab pop on my playlist this year. I'm like, oh, that's so interesting. I think it links into the fact that people are really curious about themselves. They're, they're trying to learn more about, oh, what what did I actually spend all my time on? It's kind of like checking your phone and how many hours you're spending on social media and just understanding yourself better. And you do mention um, on your website about Renaissance marketing and that, that mindset around being a sponge, um, which could be applied to being a sponge when it comes to the external market and your consumer, but also being a sponge internally, right? It's understanding the different parts of your business that marketing collaborates with. When I talk about sponge, it really just means you should be a sponge for all types of information, um, whether it's your own discipline and your own vertical, but also outside of your verticals, outside of your discipline. If you think about marketing, right? Marketing is like understanding your customers. Your partner functions are also sort of like your customers. So essentially what you have to do is do marketing on them. What exactly do they need? What exactly are they looking for? How do you learn from them? 
So when I was working at Twitch, as part of my job, I was looking at how do you build playbooks for launching big premium title games on Twitch. And through that process, I was talking to finance, data science, our um, product marketing teams. And what we realized very quickly was, you know, we're not taking advantage of everything that Twitch has to offer. There's something unique about Twitch in that it, it is very much like a closed ecosystem of streamers, you know, bring in viewers who then find more streamers. And then, you know, that just drives that virtual cycle. And then of course the game publishers, a lot of the content that the streamers use are from the games themselves. So there's a virtual cycle there. And I remember I was like, oh my God, like, we're missing a key component of what makes Twitch special by not utilizing this ecosystem. And so I worked with our own sales team plus a few developers and we came up with a new patented uh, ad solution for Twitch in which uh, essentially the ads would be created by the streamers. The game publishers would fund it because it's it's mostly their content that is being leveraged. And then the viewers will want to watch it because it comes from people that they want to watch. If you think about it, hindsight's like, of course, that totally makes sense. But at that moment, it was like, oh my God, like, why aren't we doing this? Um, but it only came about because I was having these conversations with our tech teams, with our sales teams, and realizing there's a missed opportunity. So mm -hmm. I'm all about like, be a sponge, learn as much as you can, because you never know at what point it's gonna come back and you're gonna have that like light bulb aha moment. Mm, yeah, and we, we were talking before the show about collaboration. I feel like collaboration internally with your functions is under leveraged versus, you know, the already under leveraged collaboration with the external industry. So um, a lot of what you talk about is, you know, bringing the outside in and really, you know, connecting with different fields outside of, you know, your marketing function, really more deeply connecting in with the different facets of the marketing skill set. And so I can imagine that that's quite different and new for a lot of people and culturally, you know, bringing that into the Amazon business, which is quite a, you know, big, well-established business. I mean, I, I'm working at Mars Wrigley and, you know, it's a big multinational and gaining change and a change in mindset in big organizations is always hard. How are you finding that that's being sort of culturally adapted in, um, in Amazon? You know, the good news is Amazon, the way that it's structured is quite conducive to disruptive type of ideas. And oftentimes within bigger organizations, it's everyone's goal to defend kind of their processes and their brand. But oftentimes that means that we reduce amount of disruption that's allowed to happen. Whereas if you look at a startup, they basically go in and be like, I've got nothing to lose and therefore I'm gonna be bold, I'm gonna be disruptive by being very, very differentiated in what I offer. Hmm. So the way that I talk to my team about it is like, you know, we are inside a big company, but we need to still think very much like we need to disrupt our own company and our own industry. And the reason is if you don't keep innovating and you start just having a defensive posturing, you're gonna end up having someone else come and disrupt you. That's inevitable. Like history repeats itself. This happens all the time. There is never a company that didn't get disrupted by a, a new thought leadership. Mm -hmm. And so in order to stay uh, relevant and ensure that if anyone's gonna disrupt you, it should be yourself, then you have to still think like a startup. And in particular, the way that I like to talk to my team and to think about it is 
you still have to stick to the core of what is it that your customers needs and wants and how are you fulfilling that? That is like number one, right? You gotta be customer obsessed. You have to think about the customer first. But then the second thing is, be honest with yourself. How do you really, really differentiate and market? And oftentimes the differentiation is so small that you really have to think, how do I knock myself out of the park? Like, how do I make sure that if I ask someone else, like what it is about, you know, my product or service, someone can actually clearly say it's because of this. And then the testing and learning part, super important. I know a lot of companies, you know, especially folks that have worked in bigger companies tend to have a fear of failing Mm -hmm. because, you know, it it doesn't look good for the department. It doesn't look good for them. And, you know, if you're in a defensive posturing, it just feels like, oh, your department is not doing the right thing. But the way I like to reposition is like, you'll never know what's going to work if you don't at least fail a couple of times. Failing just means you found out which pathways not to take. Not failing means you didn't even try. And so, you know, for me, it's all about go out there, fail fast, because the faster you learn, the more you can really think about scaling and, and doing something else. And I think with these pieces, it's going to allow you to maneuver through a big company but still have that ability to innovate, to drive growth, and to really showcase the power of marketing um, at the end. Mm. And I love how you're speaking to that from personal experience, right? Because you have your own startups on the side. So you know when you created those, it was like all about getting that disruption, cutting through. You know who you're up against, these big companies with you know a lot of money, but potentially also with a level of stagnation because they're afraid of taking those risks and you're, you know, you're the company that's coming in that's not afraid to do that or um, not afraid to at least f- fail by trying <laughs> if, Absolutely. if for nothing else. Yeah, absolutely. So when you're um, thinking about, you know, looking looking outside and sort of pushing yourself outside of your sort of day to day and, and, you know, we all fall into these very comfortable habits of going through the motions. How do you find the time for that? Or how do you make the time to be able to do that? You know, to be honest, it's just become ingrained in me. I can't help it, but if I'm walking down the street and I'm just enjoying, you know, my walk, um, I can't help but say like, oh, wow, there's a small business that has some amazing, you know, uh, in-store signage that's really attractive. Like, I can't help but want to walk in. The first thing that goes through my mind is literally like, oh, my God, this this campaign, whatever is happening, is doing its job because I want to dig in. I want to understand why am I enticed? Is this thing scalable? Is this something that others could leverage and learn from? And before you know it, I'm mentally going through my own little marketing plan of like, if I were... If I were them, this is what I'm thinking. And I do this all the time. And then before you know, I'm doing like my own little case studies on, on these companies. So I, I feel like I, um, I don't really take time to do this because it's already just every moment is already this. And I, I personally love it. But I think it's also, to be completely honest, I think it's because I've seen the benefits of doing this. Whereas I think others, for them initially, this will feel very uncomfortable and very awkward. But once you start seeing the benefits, you're gonna realize like, wow, this this does change things. And for me, to be able to, to have finance as one of my closest partners, right? It took time to get there, but it works because now, we're hand in hand going into our leadership talking about the power of marketing. Why do we need to invest? We cannot not invest, right? Or it's about building net new products that I'm now able to say I'm an inventor because I've patented it because I had that opportunity to to have that conversation with sales. So I've 
reaped the benefits of this type of mindset. And so for me, it becomes second nature. I think for others, it's a matter of practice. I feel like this, this goes back to like meditation, right? Meditation takes time, but once you start realizing the benefit, all of a sudden you're like, of course, this, why isn't this just part of my like daily ritual? Mm, um, I'm hoping, nature. exactly, it becomes second nature. So I'm hoping that, you know, with time as more and more marketers adopt this renaissance marketer mindset, that it will become second nature. And before you know it, we won't be saying that this is new, that this is a new mindset. I'm hoping that we'll be like, well, of course, this is the baseline. Like, this is where everybody starts as a marketer. Yeah, definitely. And you started off in Becky, but I think you're a natural born marketer and you're doing so much inspiring, inspiring work. And I hope that the renaissance marketer mindset just goes, you know, onwards and upwards. And, you know, you're doing so many wonderful things for the field. So we'd love to um, end on your final recommendation for our listeners. What's your go to when you're trying to push yourself and look outside? Oh my God, it's so hard because sometimes I get lost in just like random things. But I would say I don't get a lot of chance to read anymore, um, which is sad. But I do try as much as I can to listen to as many podcasts as possible. So clearly I'll be listening to this one um, quite a bit. But on top of that, I also listen to, I'll give you guys a few examples. One is Imaginary Worlds. Freaking love that podcast. It's about how crazy worlds like the Star Wars world or the Marvel um, universe has been created, but also how consumers consume these stories and why they're willing to consume. So amazing. Reply All the weirder parts of the internet, I love it because, you know, there's so much and I love hearing what, what they are. Planet Money, it's bite-sized content about behavioral economics. Just love that information. Mm. I would say any chance people get to really explore other things outside of what their typical norm is, I think just go for it. Uh, maybe fall into the Wikipedia you know, uh, rabbit, rabbit hole. hole. I've done that where I was like trying to learn how bridge bridges underwater were built. I was like, oh my God, this is so cool. Um, rabbit oh, holes are fun. Love that. Love that. I'm going to pop um, those into the show notes as well. So we can all go check them out. Imaginary world sounds amazing. I'm definitely going to have a listen to that one. Oh yeah, please. <laughs> Rose, thank you so much for your support and coming on the show and obviously for sharing all of your wisdom with us. I really appreciate your time. Oh, thank you so much, Joe, for having me. And this is awesome. I can't wait to, to learn more from everybody else uh, that's going to come on this podcast. And that wraps up episode one. Thank you so much for listening. This is Joe. I'll see you next time on Looking Outside. 